Let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to go to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. Philippians chapter 4. And uh, obviously it is Thanksgiving week. It's the week of the Thanksgiving holiday anyway. We ought to be giving God thanks in everything, because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And we're told that that is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us, right? And uh, so we ought to, at all times, be thanking and praising the Lord for all the things that he is worthy of, which are many. And so uh, hopefully that is a habit of your life, to give God thanks in all things. Well, we are in Philippians chapter 4. We looked last week at the first five verses uh, of this chapter. Um, But today we're going to begin our reading in verse 4. And uh, so if you're there and able, would you stand with me as we read the scripture? And... uh, We will read down through verse number 7. The Bible says here in Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then the verse we looked at last week, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to preach to you this morning on the subject, the the Bible answer for anxiety. The Bible answer for anxiety. Now, I want to be... Um, cautious this morning in my words because it's important to recognize and acknowledge that stress and anxiety and even depression are very real uh, struggles in life. The word that we read in verse number six, be careful for nothing, is a descriptive word, careful, It is a word that means to be overcome with cares, worries, stress, and anxiety. And that is something that a lot of people struggle with. All of us, to some degree, will will struggle with this at various times in life and depending on the circumstances, but some more than others. This is a, a, a major problem in life. That word careful is used, uh, Jesus used it to, des- to describe Martha, if you remember, in Luke chapter 10, as she was uh, cumbered about much serving, and he said to her, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. It means to be filled with care or to be overcome. In fact, the Greek word behind this, it, it, it's a word that, uh, that we get our word meditation uh, or, or contemplation from. And it's the same word that Jesus used in Matthew 6 where he said, take no thought for the morrow. To take thought is is to be overcome. So the idea is in Matthew 6, he says, take no thought for the morrow, what you shall eat or what you shall drink or wherewithal you shall be clothed, right? Don't, Don't stress, don't worry, don't be overcome with fear about what tomorrow might hold. That's the same word that's used here, be, be careful for nothing. Don't allow yourself to be overcome with cares and burdens. But again, like I said, I I don't want to 
come across today as, as though I'm negating the fact that there are people who legitimately deal with continual anxiety in their life. There, there are people, maybe some even here, that this is just an ongoing struggle that you have. Uh, anxiety is, is a, an issue, and by the way, anxiety and depression uh, often go together. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but it's something that has been going on, obviously, since the beginning of time. But in these latter days in which we live, anxiety is just getting worse. Let's just be honest, the world is a scary place to live. And there are all kinds of things that are happening in the world. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus, as he's talking about the end times and really the tribulation period, uh, he, he describes in there one of the things that's going to happen is he said that men's hearts will fail them for fear. Now, there were a lot of years that I looked at that and just assumed that the events that are taking place on the world are going to put so much stress on people that, that people are literally going to be having heart attacks because of this, uh, because of the fear. And that's very possible. But as I looked into that a little bit further, the, the Lord, I believe it was the Lord, opened my eyes to this. You know, oftentimes in Scripture, the word heart doesn't refer to the physical heart within your body. It's actually a reference to what we would call the mind. For instance, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, verse 23, that uh, as speaking of a, a, an unstable man, a foolish man, it says, as he thinketh in his heart. So in, in order, according to the Bible, the heart is the center of our thought life. It's not just that, that physical organ in our bodies that, that we often refer to as the heart, but it's, it's that innermost being of man. If you consider that in light of men's hearts failing them for fear, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it make sense to say that people's minds are going to be messed up because of fear? Folks, we're seeing that happen all over the place. I read somewhere that um, in the, during the, the COVID pandemic of a few years ago, uh, anxiety and depression rates were six times higher than the previous year. Previous year. Imagine that. This is diagnosed anxiety and depression. 600% increase in one year. That's incredible. And folks, I'm just saying, as you look at the world around you, uh, there are a lot of things to be anxious about. Let's just be honest. And I could go on and on about those things, but I don't want to try and turn your mind toward those things today. Now, it's also important to recognize, and this is something I've tried to make clear from the pulpit here, is that as we consider issues such as anxiety and depression, we need to understand that there may be some underlying causes of these things. Uh, man is not a one-part one being, we're actually a three-part being. We are made up of spirit and soul and body. And any issues, any problems, any sin issues in our lives or, or, or otherwise, any mental issues and things like that, we need to consider there may be more to it than just uh, one side. For instance, we could say this, there are times that anxiety and depression are spiritual in nature. In fact, it could be that there is a spiritual problem in your life, such as maybe there's unconfessed sin, maybe there's something going on there. A Bible example of that would be Saul. King Saul was 
I, I believe if he was around today, he'd probably be diagnosed like paranoid schizophrenic. You know, that he, was, he, was, he believed things that just weren't true about people. He believed that the people who were loyal to him, people who were doing nothing but seeking his good, were out to get him. But what was the issue? In his life, where did that come from? It came from a spiritual issue. He had rebelled against God, and God kind of gave him over to this spirit, if you will. And so he had an issue with God, and there was something between him and God, and it created a problem in his life to, to where he was mentally unstable. And there are times, folks, let's just be real honest, that our spiritual life can contribute to these things, and it could be that there's sin in our lives that's causing us to, to be at odds with God and not have fellowship with God. By the way, where does peace come from? Well, it comes from God. And if my fellowship with God isn't what it ought to be, how do I expect to have peace in my life? Okay, so there could be a sin issue, and sometimes it's not even a sin issue. Sometimes it's spiritual attack. We have an enemy, don't we? And he's seeking our destruction. And Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God, tells us about these fiery darts that the enemy is trying to, to hurl at us. And, 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 and there are things that we are under constant attack. And sometimes our enemy will bring things into our lives to try and discourage us and try and defeat us and try to cripple us. And it's possible that anxiety and depression can have a spiritual root. However, we are not only spiritual beings, are we? Because we, have, we are spirit, but we are also soul and body. And the soul is, is that part of us that really is the center of our emotions. It is who, it, it is who our, we are. It is the real us. And folks, I will tell you this. There are things that happen in your life that mess with your emotions. If you've had a trauma, if you've suffered abuse, if you've suffered loss and you're going through a time of grief, if you're under an undue amount of stress, guess what? It's going to affect you emotionally. It's going to have its way with you in a sense. So there, there's the spiritual side, there's the emotional side, and then let's just be, be honest, there's the physical side. Sometimes when people have issues and problems like depression, anxiety, other mental struggles... It really is physical in nature. It can be a hormonal imbalance. It honestly can be a lack of sleep, lack of exercise, uh, improper diet. All those things can contribute. And so when we consider this issue, we need to look at the whole picture and not only consider one or the other aspect. And I am not, please understand, I am not in any way negating the realities of these things taking place in lives, and, and I want to say to you, if you're struggling with something like that this morning, it would be wise for you to seek out counsel to get some help with those things. Amen. And why do I say that? Because the next thing I'm going to say, if taken out of context, could be offensive to some. The context is this. These are realities of life, and everyone struggles to some degree, and some people struggle greatly with these things. But here is the part that people aren't going to like. To allow ourselves to be controlled by anxiety and depression is actually sinful. While these emotions are real and the struggle is real, we must never allow ourselves to be controlled or crippled by these things. Why do I say that? Well, the Bible tells us 
in 1 Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In fact, fear itself is the opposite of faith. Fear can, we, depending on how we define fear, it, it is an emotion, it is a feeling. But if we're not careful, we will allow that feeling, that emotion, to control us to such a degree that we make decisions based upon that fear. That's the opposite of faith. You know what faith is? Faith is not just, you know, I have no fear. Uh, I, I don't even have a question in my mind about this or about that. And so I'm just going to jump off this cliff and know that God's just going to catch me. That's not faith. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It also says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, so what is it? Actually, faith is acting in obedience to God and God's word even when our emotions don't feel like it. Faith is operating based upon what we know to be true, not how we feel in the moment. And so fear and, and allowing ourselves to be controlled by fear is the opposite of faith. It's the opposite of faith. So while these things are a reality, we need to be careful not to allow these things to control us. And let's break this down a little bit further, this concept of being careful to be uh, filled with care, to be overcome with anxiety and depression, these, while these two emotions in and of themselves are not sinful, to allow ourselves to be controlled by them is sinful because, think about this with me, depression is a lack of contentment with our current circumstances. Depression is a lack of contentment with our current circumstances. I don't feel happy about what's going on. That's, again, normal, natural. But, I, but, but to allow myself to be discontent with what God has provided would be sinful. Anxiety is kind of not just fear of, or, or, or rather uh, discontentment with what God has provided in the current circumstances. Anxiety is discontentment with, with what God might provide, right? It's, it's, it's fear of what could be and what is going to happen rather than a faith and confidence in what God has done. And so while, while these things may be normal and natural, we must never allow ourselves to be controlled by them because neither of them comes from God. And so in the context of Philippians 4, telling us to rejoice in the Lord and, 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 and to place our confidence in Him... I want you to notice it says in verse number 6 very clearly, be careful for nothing, don't be overcome with fear for anything, but, but, here's the, here's the instruction, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So step one in the process of overcoming anxiety is this, pray. In everything by prayer. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. You know, whatever it is that you're dealing with this morning that might be a, a, just a crushing burden that you're carrying, 
I want you to know, upon the authority of the word of God, God cares for you. And he invites you to bring your cares to him. What, a, what, what an incredible uh, promise from God. Uh, Psalm 55 and verse 22 says this, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Casting all your cares upon him, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. By the way, both of those verses, 1 Peter 5, 7 and Psalm 55 and verse 22, both of those verses tell us the solution to our burdens, but they don't tell us that we'll never have burdens. In fact, the very premise of the verse is that you will carry burdens. You will have struggles, but then it gives you the answer, take that struggle to God, give it to him. Cast a burden upon him and know this, that he cares for you. God cares about you. Amen. The one who is in control of everything cares about you. One of my favorite quotes about prayer is this. It says, uh, uh, this was by Corey Ten Boom, by the way. And she said, the wonderful thing about praying is that you leave a world of not being able to do something. And enter God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his almighty power. Nothing is too small for his love. You see, oftentimes when we are faced with difficulties and problems in life, what do we do? We resort to our own understanding. How can I resolve this issue? How can I fix this problem? How do I uh, figure this out? But when we pray, when we go to God about these things, we are actually giving it to God who is able to help us. He's able to make a difference. Worry, listen, worry does nothing to solve the problem. But whatever your problem is today, God can solve it for you. Think about that. Whatever your problem is today, God can solve it. But worrying about it does nothing to solve it. By the way, talking about it does nothing to solve it. I, th I think I've, I've told the story before of uh, a time we were facing some difficulties in, in a church, and not this church, but uh, there was just a lot of conflict, and it seemed like every time that church people would get together, this was the subject of conversation over and 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 over, and over to where you really weren't getting anywhere anywhere. You weren't resolving anything. You were just talking about the problems. And one day I said to someone, finally, you know, if you were to sit down and figure out the number of hours that you've spent talking about this problem, thinking about it, and trying to figure out a solution, and compare that to the number of hours that you've actually spent praying about this, would there be a difference? Why is it that we're so quick to talk about problems... And yet, oftentimes, prayer is like our last resort. I'll go to God when nothing else works. When that should be our first. What does he say? It, it, he said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Take everything to God. Pray about all of it. If there's an issue, if there's a struggle, if there's a fear, if there's a worry, if there's an, uh, 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 just a, a feeling of, of sadness, whatever, talk to, bring it to God. First and foremost, talk to God about that. 
Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. Christian, please, may I implore you, pray about it. What is it in your life? If you were to sit down today and make a list of your top ten problems in life and, and write those things out, and then I want to ask you, have you prayed about them? Are you praying about them? Are you praying without ceasing about these things? Are you following the example of that, that widow who went to the unjust judge and because of her importunity, the judge answered her and gave her her request? I'm just saying, pray. Talk to God about these things. Very simple. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. So the first thing is this. He says, pray, and then he says, praise. Because be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with, with thanksgiving. One year, about this time of the year, uh, I got a call one night, late, late one night, from uh, uh, the Wichita Falls Police Department. And they said there has been uh, the death of a child. And the family has requested that you come. And I didn't, they didn't tell me the name. They said we can't disclose any information over the phone. They just gave me an address. And I thought that address seems familiar. I went there. It was a, a family of the, their kids rode our bus to church. And... When I showed up there, there was a police officer that described the situation to me, and uh, kind of a long story, but the parents had been out uh, working, they owned a small business, and they left the kids at home, the older kids were watching the younger ones, and they had a two-year-old child that they had put um, down for a nap, and he never woke up, and when I arrived, the parents knew something was going on, but they did not yet know that the child had died. And I, they, they had called me, the police had called me to give the notification to these parents. And so I had the unfortunate responsibility of telling these parents that they've just lost their two-year-old child. And then over the course of the next couple of days, we planned a funeral and I preached a funeral for him, I think, two days before Thanksgiving. And at that funeral, I remember hearing the father of this little child say, we're not going to celebrate Thanksgiving this year because we don't have anything to be thankful for. And I remember hearing that, and the, the human fleshly side of me said, man, I can't blame him. What does he have to be thankful for? But then I got to thinking, you know, even in the midst of such grief and tragedy, there are still things that you ought to be thanking God for. There, there's nothing, friend, there's nothing in this world in which you can't give thanks. We just heard the song, in everything, give him thanks. First, First Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You see, giving thanks to God, 
actually takes our mind off of difficult circumstances in life and reminds us of the blessings of God. And did you know that no matter what it is that you face in your life, the most difficult season, the most difficult trial of your life, you still have more to be thankful for than you do have to be grieving over. You have more in your life, just the very fact that you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs, with a heart pumping blood to your brain and allowing you to function, right? You woke up this morning, most of you had food on the table. You, you, you woke up in a warm house on a cold night. You were able to put on clothes and find some mode of transportation to get to the house of the Lord where you can hear the word of God preached. Most of you own a copy of this book. The very words of God that he has given to you. By the way, if you're saved, you've been invited, yea, even commanded, to come boldly under the throne of grace, the very throne of God, and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We could go on and on and on and on about the things that we all can be thankful for. But the truth is we all have things to thank God for, don't we? Even in the worst of circumstances, we can still thank God. And what does that do? When we begin to thank and praise God for His goodness and the things that He has done, it, it, it lifts our minds off of the difficult circumstances, or the fear of what could be. And it sets our minds on what God has done. And by the way, the knowledge of what God has done ought to encourage us to know what God can do. There are a whole lot of things that God has done in my life. And I could look back and I could point to the bad times. I could point to the failures. I could point to trials and times of loss. I could point to many tears that I've shed. And you know what? I could get pretty discouraged about that as I started thinking about that. But if I'm real honest and I go back in my life, I can point to a whole lot more good that God has brought into my life. God has been good and you know what? God doesn't change. And so, if he has been good, he is good, and he will be good. And if I know that to be true, listen, if I believe that God is in control of everything, and that God is good, then I can trust that whatever comes my way is being at least allowed, if not orchestrated, by the very hands of God, the God who loves me and gave himself for me. And as I remind myself of his many blessings in my life and that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, I'm encouraged. And I get my mind off of, oh, Lord, but what about this? And what if this? And I start saying, Lord, thank you for this. And Lord, I praise you for your goodness. And Lord, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you that I have a relationship with you. Thank you that I have eternal life, that my sins are forgiven. 
Thank you, Lord, for the peace that you've promised. Thank you, Lord, for your church. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for my family. And I can just say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, because you are good. So in, in, in the, the, the remedy for being overcome or filled with care is to pray and then to praise. And then look at what's going to happen after that. There's a promise of peace. Because he says in verse number 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. By the way, I want you to notice he doesn't say, And peace will keep you. He says, It is the peace of God. And Jesus made it very clear in John chapter number 14 that God's peace is different than the world's peace. Did you not know that not all peace is equal? Not all peace is equal. You say, what do you mean by that? Have you ever heard of a peace treaty between countries? I mean, they work for a while. But nothing's 100% and foolproof, is it? <laughs> there are always issues, potential problems that could arise, divisions that happen. You see, the world of the peace, the peace of the world, rather, might look like this. I had a financial problem, and then I got a raise at work, and so now I have peace in this area. Well, okay, until... Until inflation takes away that raise. <laughs> or until you lose that job. Right? I, I, I had conflict in my family, but we've kind of worked through our issues, so now we have peace among ourselves. Okay, for a time. Until problems come. I was stressed, I was worried about this, but that problem got resolved, so now I have peace. But you see, that kind of peace that the world gives, it comes and goes. And it ebbs and flows. And there are times that things are going well. And we can say, well, I have peace. But it's not going to last. But Jesus said in John 14, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. I'm not going to give you that kind of peace. I'm going to give you my peace. And by the way, as I said a moment ago, if God is good and God never changes, that means he was good, he is good, and he will be good. And if God, if this is God's peace, then the peace of God doesn't change either. It's different than the world gives. So we could say it this way, the peace of God is uncommon. It's really unfathomable. Because he says the peace of God which passeth all understanding. You see, the peace that God gives is a, is a peace that the world cannot give, nor can it replace or reproduce. It can't do it. But it's actually the kind of peace that goes beyond our own comprehension. To where we can say, I don't know why in the midst of this storm of life, I have peace, but I do. <laughs> It goes beyond what my mind can grasp. It's the peace that passeth all understanding. It's not a human peace. It's God's peace. It's uncommon. It's unfathomable. By the way, it's unshakable because it says in Isaiah 26 and verse number 3, 
Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. God is able to keep us in peace if our mind is fixed on him. And it's a perfect peace. And I love this. It is not only uncommon, unfathomable, unshakable, but it is unescapable. Now, to you grammar Nazis out there, I checked. Unescapable is a word. I would usually say inescapable, but that didn't fit with my alliteration. So I looked. Unescapable is a word. You can look it up. It's unescapable. Why do I say that? Verse number 7, look what it says. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That word keep means to guard. It means to protect. And for a long time I thought of it as I pictured this in my mind of God's peace protecting our hearts in the sense of you know, standing in the way of all the things that would come and steal our peace from us. And being our defender, being our protector, the peace of God shall keep, shall guard your heart, right? But that's actually not the, the, the implication of the word. It does mean to guard, but the same word means to detain or to imprison. In other words, it's not like this. Your heart is here and the peace of God comes out in front of you and fends off all of the attacks of others. It's more like this. Your heart is here and God says, here, you're kept. You can't get away from this. You can't escape this. You are detained, just like you're in prison. What does the Bible call it? A prisoner of hope, right? We are locked in to God's peace. If our hearts and minds are stayed upon him. If we'll get our eyes off of ourselves and off of the circumstances, we are able to actually be kept in and, and, and kept in the peace of God that passes all understanding. That God would keep and possess our hearts in peace. And so this morning, I just want to ask you, friend, do you have the peace of God in your life? Or are you overcome with fear, anxiety, worry, discouragement, depression? I'm not in any way trying to belittle you if you struggle with those things, but I am telling you on the authority of the Word of God there is hope and there is help. And you do not have to live in that. Pray. Praise. And God's peace will come. Maybe you're here today and you don't have the peace of God because you don't have a right relationship with God. I alluded to this at the beginning of the message this morning that peace, true peace, comes from God. And if your fellowship with God has been hindered, you're not going to be able to have the peace of God. Friend... If you have never been saved, if you've never been forgiven of your sins by God because you've received Christ as your Savior, if that has never happened in your life, you will not have the peace of God. You cannot. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Bible describes salvation as having the Son, being in possession of the Son of God, receiving Him. If you have not received Him, you cannot receive His peace. 
And so today, may I just invite you, I'm not saying, hey, come to Jesus and all your problems are going to go away. No, there will still be burdens, there will still be struggles, there will still be difficulties, and some people are still going to struggle more than others. But there is an answer and there is hope, there's deliverance in Him. Why not today come and place your faith in Him? Christian friend, if you say, I know that I'm saved, but I just feel like I don't have peace, can I invite you to cast your cares upon the Lord and receive the peace that He's promised you? Find peace in Him in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? We'll have a word of prayer.